0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I'm to an iPad, but <laughs> the batteries can run out on an iPad. <clears throat> and forgive me, you know, I was watching a, a, a friend of mine once. He was he was at a big Christian conference. He was on God Channel. He's one of these techie types, and he were like this. And I know, I thought he's completely lost his place. (laughs) This morning is our last but one message on do the hard things. You know, we we smile sometimes, Christian and me, because one of the things we've had, accused is a wrong word, observed about from afar in Arena Church on occasions, is that somehow we sort of like superficial, you know, we water everything down well do the hard things you know Uh, so we're really trying to wrestle with with the meat of the new testament and so matthew 5 6 and 7 as those of you that have perhaps been believers for uh, some time will know is often called the sermon on the mount simply jesus went up the mountainside people followed him in rabbinical fashion he sat down and he ministered was it a message that went on all day? In fact, I think it was probably a message that went on for three or four hours. I thought I might replicate that this morning. Anybody here, anybody here for staying till three? You know, oh, okay. It was probably a series of messages, whatever. The the spirit of God's put it all together. And uh, it digs deep because uh, we, we did an introductory message as we started this about people looking for uh, somebody that would come and stir things up politically. Uh, uh, that someone that would, if you like, lift the burden, the religious burden that had been placed upon them. But Jesus came with an altogether different agenda. It was to speak out the rule of God in our lives, the kingdom. And he said that when you allow me to be the king of your life, when you allow me to rule and reign, these are the things that begin to work out. These are the standards that I begin to call you to. And One of the repetitive phrases of Matthew 5, 6 and 7 is, you have heard, but I say. And so we don't just want to hear something that is in religion, in history, in tradition. We want to hear what Jesus says. So uh, we're going to just read two or three verses this morning, and then I'll take us into the message. The first one is from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, and it says these words, blessed, that is to be happy, envy, fortunate, prosperous. If you've got an amplified Bible, every time it says "bless" in those first verses of Matthew, it says those words. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And then if we could go to verses 27 to 30 of the same chapter, Matthew chapter 5 verses 27. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. And throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Final verse. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. So we did an introductory message. And then we did do the hard things devotionally. Pastor Stephen spoke on that do the hard things relationally, a word from Christian. And then last time, before our Father's Day interlude last Sunday, do the hard things integrously, living with integrity. And Josh led us through that particular message. This morning, do the hard things morally. Do the hard things Morally, we live in a very impure world. I'll try and illustrate that sensitively and carefully in a moment. But in an impure and unclean world, there's a call to Christians, there's a call to believers, there's a call to people that are fed up with their impure life to come and take hold of something higher and greater and more blessed. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, as I address uh, the subject this morning, it may be that you're immediately saying to me, Phil, I've failed miserably in this area. I don't want you to walk out, please. I don't want you to curl up in a ball. I don't want you to push back. I don't want you to erect a barrier. I want you to hear the word of God afresh this morning. It may be that you've been on the end of somebody else's behaviour and you've been scarred and marred. And that experience still digs deep in your life. But I'm encouraging every one of us this morning through the power of the word to reset our lives because whilst we can't eradicate the past in terms of what's taking place, we can reset our lives to look into a better future. And Jesus Christ has got a blessed future for every person in this room, regardless of our past, if we will align our hearts with him and yield to what he says unto our lives. Do the hard things morally. Living morally means the the principle of right or wrong behaviour. It's no more complicated than that. We live in a world of immorality. We live in a world of amorality. That prefix A is simply no morality. Those of you that watch the news will know that even in the areas of of entertainment in recent times, this has become a a great issue, the whole North American Me Too uh, uh, debates. But it arose after somebody behaving completely amorally. No morals. And I say that carefully knowing that this case is to be proved and all of those sorts of things. But an expression of someone with incredible power that seemed to believe that they could behave with no sense of right or wrong. And the whole thing has spilled out. And no doubt some of you have been watching it as it's come to the press and the media. God, in the words of Jesus, has called us to be pure. I want young people to go away from this morning not thinking that purity is something to be sniggered about, but purity is something to absolutely long to live. I'm going to try and illustrate it in a moment. Jesus says, you've heard it said because they'd have heard it said in the law, but I'm saying to you that it's not only a matter of the act it's a matter of the desire by the way in verses 29 and 30 when Jesus is talking about chopping off limbs he's using that figuratively it's it's exaggeration it's hyperbole I say that because I do know of, I, I said this I do know of a preacher that preached on it once and somebody went and chopped his arm off so so please let me underscore it I'm not saying do this literally Okay, I don't want Queen's Medical on the phone saying, are you the pastor of Arena Church? What were you going on about on Sunday? Because we've got to put... It's figurative. It's exaggeration for a course. But Jesus reveals in those words how seriously he takes living a pure life. That's the point. That's the point. Now let me give you one or two, and I'm going to do it sensitively. Examples of the impure world in which we live in. <clears throat> Please don't go on the Ashley Madison website because it's a it's a website for extramarital affairs, no strings attached. NSA. But if you just tap onto the front of it, it'll say something like this: Forty-five million people can't be wrong. Because 45 million people around the world have hooked up to this website. 45 million people cannot be wrong. Oh, yes, they can. Those of you that uh, live in the world of education will understand that impurity spills out in so many places nowadays. A recent report says that uh, primary school children, over 44,000 primary school children, that had access to inappropriate material. And in 16 and 17-year-olds, it's 473,000. And some of you pastorally, in terms of your school environments, will know what I'm talking about. There are 500,000 sexually implicit, explicit images posted on Twitter every day. And the income from the pornography industry in America is more than the MLB, the NBA, and the FNFL combined. That is, for those of you that aren't into American sports, the Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, and the National Football League, that are multi-dollar organizations in their own right. More than all that, we're living in an impure world. We've got guys tomorrow that are going to have to go to the factory, sit in the canteen, hear stuff that they prefer not to hear. And the reality is that every one of us get confronted with things through our worlds, an impure world. And yet here we've got Jesus saying, I'm calling you to do the hard things. I'm calling you to be pure in heart. Now when Jesus was speaking to people, he was speaking to a religious mindset and many of the people he was speaking to were obsessed with exterior cleansings and washings. It's where the word ablutions came from. You know, you know somebody said, oh, I'm just doing me ablutions. You know, it's where the word, it was religious cleansing. The problem was it had become complicated, complex, hypocritical, and dominant. And Jesus says, He wasn't saying don't have a wash. I've been a pastor a long time. I've had to go and have a quiet with, with some people. You know, they, those conversations at times. Because all of a sudden I've got Mrs. Sanso. You know that bloke that sits next to me every week in church? He stings. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great test of how we love people, you know. So Jesus isn't saying, don't have a wash. Don't take care of your personal hygiene. But he says there's something more important. It's the washing of your hearts. And if your heart's not washed, all that impurity will spill out anyway through your actions, through your words, through what you say. So it's not natural abusions; it's spiritual cleansing. In Philippians, it says, So you, my children, be blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you shall shine like stars. so let me mention firstly three or four areas very briefly where we can be moral and then three or four helps in the challenge number one moral in mind those of you that are into computers in fact everybody's into computers apart from me that's not true you know but but as I've said before I, I still think there's people at arena church think I can't send an email but it really isn't true you know but I'm not That bloke on, anybody watch Click here on the telly? That Spencer bloke. Oh, I want to get hold of him and throttle him, you know. Because he's always coming up with something new, you know. And uh, he must, I'm I'm sorry, it must be a pain to live with. I'm I'm sorry. Anyway, Gigo, garbage in, garbage out. We've all been on the end of the phone when somebody says, oh, sorry, mate, it was the computer's fault. It was all the computer Came up with the wrong information. It's because somebody put the wrong stuff in. Garbage in, garbage out. If you fill your mind with rubbish, guess what? Rubbish is going to come out. So moral in mind, the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the battle area of the mind. It says in Philippians, whatever things are pure, whatever things... Are good, whatever things are excellent, whatever things are worthy, think on these things. Former president of AOG US George Wood says, Such words prescribe our choices of entertainment. See, when you're on your own and doing the hard things and you're tempted to go somewhere where you shouldn't. I'm praying that Philippians 4 8 is going to haunt you. Because then we'll start to go towards the pure side. Not only moral in mind, but moral in motive. Proverbs sixteen two says motives are weighed by the Lord. Not only what you do, but why you do it. Wow. Number three, moral in marriage. So whew, I've messed up there, Phil. But the reality is that God's for marriage. And if it's gone wrong with you, he's, he's still for it. I've got an article here from a book called Bullseye. And uh, we've had a lot of marriages around Arena Church in recent times. What a blessing. Some incredible stories of how people have come together. And uh, on July the 28th... Sorry, I always get mixed up with Prince Charles and Diana. Uh, this was the 29th. On July the 28th night, uh, this year, will have been married 39 years and, um, and uh, you know, we're still going. And the most important thing for me is that not that I'm still preaching, because a week after we got married, I run in a church. I thought, everybody did that, you know. Um, it's not that I'm still preaching, it's that I'm still married. You know, because if that weren't happening, I wouldn't have, you know, this would have gone wrong. Anyway, guys... The thing that I was impacted by when I sat in congregations and heard Christian leading people was this little phrase, I will. Yes. Not I feel, not I think, not I might, but I will. Well, and I will. And uh, in this book uh, by Laurie Tomzak, he says, guys, ladies, every time you tempted to stray check out the 25 point checklist I don't have time to read it this morning if anybody wants a copy you can have one I tell you you'll I will when you've read that fourthly moral in the main thing Proverbs four twenty-three: guard your heart because out of it come the issues of life I was smiling this week at our moving forward leadership intensive Because we talked about numbers of things. We talked about, again, the philosophy of church, why we do what we do. We had a brilliant session from Lisa on on it. We talked with Pastor Mark Sherratt about principles of growth. But you know what happened again and again and again through Christian, through Lisa and through Mark was the absolute imperative of keeping our own lives on track, of making sure the main thing, which is out of the heart come the issues of life, is the thing that is right before the lord moral in the main thing and not allowing this world to defile it so you've heard it said but i say arena church can i say this carefully can we make a fresh commitment today whatever our failures whatever our setbacks whatever our shortcomings whatever our pain Can we make a fresh commitment today, whether we've been a Christian 20 years, 30 years, whether you're in this room this morning and still making your mind up about being a follower of Jesus, to, in a very impure, unclean world, without running to religion, legalism, false externals, without denying the God-given gift that God has given in appropriate intimate relationships and union, can we be stars that shine bright in the dark worlds. All the stars are coming out tonight. Christian often says he feels a song coming out. I could never hit those Gary Barlow notes. But we need the stars to come out. If I can say it carefully, we need you to twinkle at school. We need you to shine in that manly, testosterone-driven male office. We need you to be different. We need you to be outside the gates having dropped the kids off at school and something shines from you that doesn't shine from anybody else because you've committed to the words of Jesus and blessed to the pure in heart for they shall see God. And so as I close... Four things to help us. Four things to help us. Outside of the grace of God, everything that Jesus speaks about in our own efforts is utterly impossible. And Jesus wasn't asking people to do these things in their own efforts. They've done that for long enough. He says, come to me. Let the king rule over your life. And then you'll find yourself wanting to put these things into action. So number one, to help us. Do the hard things morally in an impure world. Number one, the word. Pastor Chris Hodges at our recent Assemblies of God conference says these words. Take every measure possible to be pure. Take every measure possible to be pure. Psalm 119 and verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Psalm 19 verse 11 says, <clears throat> And keeping them, that's the commands of the Lord, your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. Let me just show you this New Testament. I want to I just encourage you today that, you know, you, you don't have to do all the things of sin as a rites of passage to work out they don't work, you know. We have people in our church today that have been wonderfully delivered and wish they hadn't gone that route in the first place. And that's why we do Kids Church. We're not babysitting so that you can have a breather for half an hour. We're trying to lay something in. And those those Kids Church teachers are passionate about laying something in. When we do Universal on a Friday night and I, I, I never cease to give thanks to Our young leaders are turning up, some of them at the end of a busy working week, study week, to lay into people. We're not just doing it to get them off the streets and, in quotes, keep them out of the trouble. We're looking for a pure generation. And so here's this Bible. It's in remarkably good nick after nearly 50 years. But this is my Bible. It's a New Testament. And it says in the front, presented to Philip Pye. That's my posh name. One L, please. sent to 25th of March, 1968. I was nearly 13. I've just celebrated my 63rd birthday. So 50 years ago, 50 years ago. And what happened was we used to have two men that used to lead a boys' club at the little Pentecostal church in Nottingham that I used to go to in my formative years. One of them used to turn up in his suit. The other one were like, Wolf, I'm ready, you know. And when he was well, that one, John, they both went to live in Australia. Those of you that know Bilborough, Chingford Road, anybody know the Bacchus? Can anybody remember the Bacchus? You know, yeah. So we used, to, we used to go from the church onto the Bacchus, British Bulldog. I mean, nowadays with health and safety, he would have... You know. But we were a gang of kids from a council estate and we wanted to burn some energy off. So that was John. But when Tony came in his suit working at Boots... We used to have a quiz night. Oh, flip eh? You know, we want to go and play football. But Tony were impassioned about giving us the Bible. And actually, it was a brilliant mix, brilliant combination. And John actually was a very spiritual man as well and became part of the, uh, eventually became part of the National Executive of Australian Assemblies of God, all from this little church. Anyway, I'm 12. That Bible came because I answered, please, when I say I, I'm not trying to be, but. But I answered a question on every chapter in the New Testament. I'd already got my badge for Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So from Romans, sorry, actually the apostles through to Revelation. A question, so they'd send the thing through and that's what I got. And it's had several moves. It went to Bible College, it's been to Oxford, it's been to You know, And here it is 50 years later. I think it's, you know, and I was reminded this week that somebody sold something to me because they were passionate How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Please hear me carefully on this. I'd love to say I've never made a mistake. But I've never done drugs. And I've seen the ravages of it. I've never done multiple relationships. And I've seen the ravages of it. And so it goes on. Because somebody... At a heart for a pesky kid from a council estate at 12 years of age. So, you know what? I'm going to encourage you to get something in the Bible in you. Something in the Bible in you. And young people today, I'm encouraging to keep turning up. Sometimes you'll get it. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes by quarter past 12, you completely forgot what I've said. But I'm telling you, something's washing over you more than you realise. Something is washing over you. And I'm encouraging you today with all the stuff around you that can easily take you another way to go the Jesus way for his glory and praise. I was reading Romans 6 this week. He was talking about being a slave to sin or a slave to God. Here's the the paradox. Here's the contradiction. A slave to sin does exactly that. It enslaves you. A slave to God liberates you to run free. It's incredible. The more you... I use the words in inverted commas, chain yourself to God. The more you're liberated to live free in him. And it says in chapters, verses 21 and 22, if you are a slave to sin, of what benefit is that to you? Question mark. But if you are a slave to God, he will lead you in the way of holiness and eternal life. One of the things as peer pressure you're going to have to put up with Not only young people, but around the room. Well, everybody does it. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Well, let's be different. Let's be different. So, the Word of God and then the the Holy Spirit. We're a church that believes in the power of Pentecost, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Uh, The Holy Spirit is is uh, is is, His name in the New Testament is Parakletos, the one that comes alongside. But the Holy Spirit is not only here to give us gifts, but to shape character. The fruit of the Spirit that reflects the life of Jesus. And in Galatians 5.25, it says, We live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you pray, Holy Spirit, help me to keep in step with you. It may be that as that party starts to go to a place that you're not comfortable with, you need to walk away from it and not to it. It may be sometimes that you've got to walk away from certain situations because it's just, it's just not going the right way. Am I saying wrap yourself in a bottle and a, a bubble and have no non crush I'm not saying that. In fact, we're saying the opposite. But keeping in step with the Spirit. And I've lived in the real world, you know. I lived in the real world before I went to Bible College. I was bivocational in ministry for 15 years. I've been on courses with blokes. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's an excuse for a man and woman to behave inappropriately on a course and then come home and nobody says anything about it. So I've been in all those situations keeping in step with the Spirit because here's what the Spirit of God will do. It will always take you down the street of purity but you make the choice. Number three, the church. Oh, if I had five quid for every time this had been said, we'd have had a nice holiday in Skeggy. this this. Uh, It's August. I lived in Skegness for four and a half years, so I can make that joke. Here's 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 the statement. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. If you understood the cover that you lived under through delegated authority by belonging to the local church, you'd never want to remove yourself from it you see we have such a low value of the church but the church of Jesus Christ is God's heart in the earth to bring redemptive change and the Bible says in Hebrews ten 25, don't give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but consider how you may spur one another on to good deeds and there's small groups has grown in our church and other contexts, mentoring contexts, pastoral contexts, uh, young leaders meeting with younger people, all those things taking place on a regular basis in the life of our church. Why? Because we're forever trying to spur people on to love and good deeds. I say it very carefully today. If, if you've come this morning and you're not identified with a, a part of the body of Christ, I'm not saying this church, although I think this church has got an amazing amount going for it. But if you are not identified, I say it carefully this morning, you're in a dangerous position. You're living without cover. Little wonder sometimes that's when the spiritual attack comes and takes people out. Be part of a local church. And number four, the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, often prayed at the end of a meeting. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Vince Havner says that the early Christians never thought about taking Jesus as saviour with the option of taking him as Lord later. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It means master, owner, king. And this morning, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So I encourage you to again say, Lord, be Lord of my strengths and weaknesses. Be Lord of my relationships. Be Lord of my phone. I can preach in a church and an hour later I can be going somewhere on here I'm not supposed to go to. Be Lord of my phone. Be Lord of my computer. Be Lord of my social media engagement. This is how practical it is. Be Lord of my choices. Be Lord of my life 24-7. And as we yield to Jesus, we'll find ourselves increasingly going the way he wants us to go. And if it goes wrong, put it right quickly. So as I close, I want you to understand that as we put these things into action in our lives, it doesn't take us from the world, it takes us to them. Numbers of you have read the Daniel Dilemma book recently, where a young man in a foreign nation committed himself to living pure. And God gave him a national influence. In Matthew 5 again, you're the salt of the earth. I if the band will just come and help me as we bring the service to a close. And salt, has an, salt was an incredibly important substance in New Testament days. It spoke of purity, but it also spoke of presence. Presence. Not E-N-T-S, but E-N-C-E. And the passion of Jesus is that we wouldn't contain our faith to Sundays, because that's the other accusation we've had to face down in arena. All you're bothered about is that Sunday meeting. No, all we're bothered about is having a great Sunday service that sets you up for your world on Monday morning. And the titles grabbed it. It's hard, not impossible, completely impossible without Jesus. But this week, friends, we'd make a fresh commitment to do the hard things that we'd be pure in our minds, in our motive, in our marriages where appropriate, and in the main thing of our heart, and that we yield afresh to the Word, the Spirit, the Church, and the Lord. I pray over Kids Church, Lord, that there'll be a generation that will shine the stars in the night. I pray for Universal, Lord, that you will bless those amazing young men and women that appropriate the journey, Lord, from teenage life to adulthood. And they'll do it in honouring you. I pray for men and women around Arena Church today. We understand many struggles, many challenges, many hurts, many pains, many failures. But Lord, we make a fresh commitment today to be stars that shine in the night, to do the hard thing, and to be people that are pure in heart, so we may see you. And just before we conclude, this morning, friends, I've ministered, I've started to share my heart, tried to be real. So, Phil, I've never become a Christian. I've never become a Christian. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've messed up so many times, I'm tired of it. Tired of that way of living. Tired of those things that ferment in my heart. And the only way to get clean this morning is to let the one who has no rival, Jesus Christ, come and cleanse you. The sacrifice has already been made in the power of the cross. And the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross still avails today. Across this room, there are people that have come from all sorts of broken journeys, And they made a start in following Jesus. I tell you, I never cease to be in awe in what God is doing with people in this church. It is absolutely breathtaking. Amazing. And this morning, so Phil, will you just pray for me? Because I want to join that group of people that has committed their lives to Jesus. If you'll raise your hand and put it down again, I'll pray for you. Who's going to be first this morning. So that's me. I need prayer. Raise that hand this morning. Thank you. Someone else this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Someone else this morning. Thank you. You can put your hands down again once I've seen them. But people responding this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for people that are responding to you. And we pray that every one of them will know that they've stepped out of death into life, out of darkness into light. And that you will bless them this morning, whatever their journey, whatever their pain, that Lord, you would come in the power of your spirit right now to do something amazing in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Thank you for your attention. Amen.